Today, we chat with a top American climber, the Olympian, the legend, and one of the strongest women in the world, Kyra Condi. Get ready to hear about her brightest and darkest moments at the Olympic Games. Competition nerves, turning weaknesses into strengths, and turning strengths into superpowers. We also get into one-arm pull-ups, are they essential or not? Idiopathic scoliosis, overcoming limitations, self-pity, and how Kyra Condi would spend her time if the world was ending later tonight. And it all starts right now on the Beta 5 Podcast. Did the Olympics feel like set apart or special, whatever that might mean? Or did it just kind of feel like another World Cup for you? Um, I, I would say the, the lead up and the the hype and like just everything leading into it definitely did not feel like just any other competition. But then as soon as we were actually competing and when we were warming up on the, the wall and when we first saw the competition wall and stuff, um, that's when it actually felt like a World Cup, I think. Like, I think Meg even said that, our coach. She was like, oh, like, it's just another, it's just a World Cup semifinal. <laughs> I think once we were actually in that competition zone, we felt like that. And did that help? Did that help sort of like settle any nerves? Did you feel like you had nerves going in? Yeah, I think it did kind of help with nerves. I was definitely super, super nervous in like the months leading up to the Olympics, like the last two months, as well as um, especially training in Japan, because like it just felt like every session was an indicator of how you might do at the competition. But as soon as we were actually in the village and we were climbing on the wall, I felt like kind of all of those melted away. When you experience nerves, what what is that? Like, is there an actual vocabulary that goes with that? Is it nerves about how you'll do or whether or not how your performance, like whether or not your performance will mean something? Will it mean that you're good or not good or how you'll be compared? Like, what does nervous actually mean? I think for me, if I'm nervous, it just means that I, I care about the competition, you know, um, like, if you're not nervous, it, I feel like it just shows, or not shows anything, but, like, um, like I think that's what it means for me. It means that I've put a lot of work into it, and I really care about how the competition goes. Not necessarily that it's a reflection of, you know, my own character, whether or not that it goes well or, or poorly, but um, it just means that I care about how it goes. When you talk about how it goes, are you talking about how you perform and whether or not you feel like you really performed well, regardless of results? Or are you talking about results? Uh, you know, I think it's kind of a mix of both, you know, like you hope that your best performance would also equal a good result, you know, but there are definitely times when I've um, been happy with how I've climbed, but sad about the result, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. What was your best moment or the brightest moment at the Olympics for you? Like, is there something that stood out? Yeah, um, I think probably one of my favorites was, well, both of my speed runs went really well. I was really hoping to get a seven just because I have gotten a seven before, but not in competition. And so that was really, really good because I'd put a lot of time and effort into being consistent with speed. Uh, and then topping a boulder in the bouldering round was also just kind of surreal. Like I remember topping it and being like, hell yeah, you topped a boulder at the Olympics. Like That's crazy. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Was that the main thing? Was that the one, the top? Was that the standout? Like even now thinking back on it. Yeah, I think that's the standout. And there's like a really nice photo of it. So I, I can like look at that photo and be like, I remember that feeling exactly. And you've topped lots of World Cup boulders. Was, was, was there something different here? I mean, was it just the name, the Olympics? Like what made the moment, that moment so great for you? 
Uh, I think it was just a lot of things leading up to it. Like we did have basically a two year wait after qualifying. Um, and so like, that's just kind of crazy to have so much anticipation for one event and then to like have something like come together and uh, accumulate in a top, I think was kind of um, the feeling I'm talking about. You topped one bowler, is that correct? Yeah, it was a pretty hard round. Yeah, it was a pretty hard round. It looked pretty hard. How did you deal with not topping the remaining boulders? The middle two were definitely super not my style, but the fourth one was super my style. And I think something that if I hadn't been stretched so thin with the combined format, I think it's typically something that I, I should have been able to top. So I was a little disappointed that I didn't top that one because I felt like it really played to my strengths. Um, and that was like a boulder that I was I always hoped for at a, a competition. But other than that, um, I feel like I deal pretty well with not topping boulders in a round it's after the round is completely done that I um, usually reflect back and you know get frustrated or something what is your style when you say my style what is that I'm best at like straightforward power boulders with big moves and slightly better holds is what I would say is my exact style like kind of moonboard climbing we rarely get that (laughs) yeah Uh, and I would say the way I did the fourth climb where I, I, I campused the full, the full beginning of it was super my style, but I didn't realize that there was a different way that you could do it with like some sneaky heel hooks and stuff. So where are you at when it comes to the things that you maybe aren't as confident with? How do you approach those things in training? I've definitely been working on those a lot. And I think that's something that having a coach has really helped with. Uh, I self coached until I moved to Salt Lake city basically. So um, from when I was 15 until then. So I think it was really hard to get myself to do the things that I didn't like and that I wasn't good at. And so I got really good at certain things. And then since being here, I think I have had a lot larger focus on, um, for me, it's, it's awkward moves that involve, you know, bending and twisting. Cause I, I really struggle with that with my back. Mm-hmm. And so they're actually really frustrating to work on. Cause I don't really know how to get better at it since I do have this actual physical limitation. So I really enjoy working on the things that I can kind of beat my head against and get better at. Whereas that one is a little bit more uh, meta, if you will. So yeah, um, that one's much less fun to work on. Yeah, that makes sense. And I want to talk about your back in a bit. And I just thought of another question as you talk about training. Was was speed a, a distraction or did you see that as like a positive, something that was like adding to your training? Uh, I think there was definitely aspects of speed that really helped with my, my bouldering, especially. Um, I was actually just talking to Chris Kosser. He's uh, the South African Olympian uh, for climbing. And we were saying, like, I just have so much more energy since stopping training for speed just because it is so exhausting. Like, I just feel so, like, more, much more powerful while on the lead wall and while on the bouldering wall without having done, like, two speed sessions a week. It's just trying to peak in all three disciplines at once is, is really, really difficult. <laughs> Absolutely. Your darkest moment at the Olympics. What, what was that? It was definitely on the lead climb. This whole season, I had been really struggling with a couple of specific moves that have kind of been um trending i guess you know how route setting kind of goes through these trends of ebbs and flows of certain moves like two years ago the toe hook catch like where you moon kick and catch a toe hook and a hand at the same time was really trending and then we only saw that once this year and this year it's been these like really pressy moves and then where you have to hand foot match afterwards and i saw that on the league climb and it's something that's really difficult for me and i was like okay well you know there's nothing i can do about it like you're gonna have to climb it and when I got there, it was actually way harder than I was expecting it to be for me. Uh, and I just got way more pumped than I was expecting. And so I was really bummed to see that move at the Olympics just because 
it was something that I was really hoping I wouldn't have to face, even though I had been working on it a lot and I did get through it. It uh, really threw me off. How did you process that afterwards, like in the days or weeks after? Yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy. The The way the Olympics works, so you, you fall off the climb, you untie, you go behind the wall. You have like five minutes there to collect your items. And then they bring you immediately into a media tent. And so here you are trying to process, you know, pretty upset emotions. And then you have to do an interview with NBC. And then <laughs> you go into the other tent and have to, uh, you, know, you know, if you want to change or something. And then go into the other tent and then do six, seven, eight more interviews, all asking you about what's wow. next, how you thought about the climb, do you think you're in finals, and all these things. So it's kind of rugged immediately after. Um, like I definitely have a couple of interviews where I'm a little teary-eyed. And then in the, the weeks after, I think, you know, a lot of Olympians struggle with um, coming to terms with it being over and, you know, accomplishing this huge goal of being there or then, you know, accomplishing the goals that you had for being there or not. Um, and how to, to deal with that and figure out what you're doing next. And I think I'm actually in a pretty good spot with that. I, I'm really proud of the training I put in. You are known in the climate community for being exceptionally strong. Would you agree with that analysis? Like, is your experience that you are exceptionally strong in your field? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to be like, yeah, I'm exceptionally strong. But like, I'm, I'm not a super graceful climber. And so I've always just been like, well, if I get a bit stronger, uh, I can just brute force my way through it. And that was, I think, really came from not having a coach especially just when I was in Minnesota and training alone a lot, like that was what I could do to, to give myself the best chance of success. And so that's what I did. Uh, but I kind of have a similar theory of work on weaknesses, but the same, but don't forget about your strengths. Like, you know, you want to make sure that, um, yeah, they're superpowers. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now is, you know, kind of leaning more into my strengths than, uh, than not. <laughs> your training videos are pretty inspiring. They, I know they get, uh, they get sent out your one arm pull up your campusing one arm pull up other than being an amazing Instagram video. How important is that to competition climbing? Why is it important? Why isn't it important? I think it's important, but not like a make or break it. Like you're not going to be like, there are people who have won world cups who definitely cannot do a one arm pull up, you know, like I know that for a fact. And so I think kind of one of those things, again, if strength is your strength, I think it's definitely helpful, uh, but it's not a make or break it skill that you need to have. Yeah, you've got the one-arm campus 360 move. You've got the <laughs> lock off on the last hold and wave to the audience. Is, is there more? Is there more for the one-arm? I think sometimes it's really helpful if you're able to have like an explosive um, power off of one arm to be able to uh, do certain moves. But um, usually, I mean, you, you always have a foot on. So that's not even a... I think if you can do a static one-arm pull-up, then explosive moves with a foot on with one arm are really... Uh, easy much easier yeah it makes sense uh let's go back to talking about your back because that's that's not a small issue um <laughs> at least at least from from our perspective you know looking at at what you face it seems like a serious limitation can you just chat about kind of what that is uh so that people know for those who don't yeah so when i was um i think i was 12 years old i got diagnosed with um severe idiopathic scoliosis which means my back was bent and they didn't know what caused it. So basically when I was supposed to go through my growth spurt, like as a you know preteen, I just grew curved instead of straight. And that mean, meant that I needed to get 10 vertebrae fused. So essentially T2 through T12, which is my thoracic vertebrae. So basically all the vertebrae that are attached to your ribs are um, just one bone now. So it's essentially like having just a solid rod as where you should have a bunch of joints as vertebrae. 
and yeah, I, I actually feel like more recently I've had to really deal with it in my climbing a lot more. It has felt a lot more like a severe limitation than it has in the past. And I think that's just as I've gotten better um, and worked on so many other weaknesses that I, you know, I used to be bad at locking off on things. I used to not be very good on slopers, things like that. And as, as those weaknesses have turned into strengths, I've, I've noticed this single weakness um, play a much larger role. Do you think if your back did not have the, those, those bones fused, do you think, I mean, it's hard to obviously answer this question, but have you been able to adapt in such a way that you're maybe better off? Do you, do you have any insight into that? I think there are definitely moves that would be easier. Um, there, are, there are a few times, like especially at World Cups with the new trend in setting, um, that I've been like on the wall knowing exactly what I should do. Like, okay, I need to move my hips right. And I just can't, <laughs> which is really frustrating because I, I know exactly how to climb it and I just feel like I can't do it or I physically can't do it actually. So I usually have to find some more other sort of method that's usually more risky um, just as far as being able to do it in five minutes. As far as who I am and you know how I've like gotten to where I am in climbing has a lot to do with having gotten the back surgery so young and having to overcome it so young. Uh, and I think it's really shaped my style. And the reason why strength is my, my strength, I guess, is because that's the thing that I can do with my back. Like, that's why I focused on it because I've found ways around the moves that are really difficult for me. As a human being, our favorite indoor sport is self-pity. What do you say to, you know, everyone sitting at home facing their own climbing challenges or their own challenges in general? What advice do you have for those that are facing their limitations and feeling that they can't do X because of Y? Yeah, there's been a couple of things like so I work with, with a sports psychologist um, and, you know, this is something that we've obviously talked about a lot because it's become pretty quite relevant in my climbing and competition career. And one thing is that everybody has their limitation. You know, some people are shorter than others and some people uh, have long arms and maybe are worse at small compression moves. Um, some people maybe, maybe have really big feet. So standing on a small, um, really small foot jib is really difficult, you know, because of the, the lever that they have on, like, as a having a big foot, you know, so everybody has something that they're overcoming, like, and maybe some are more overcomable than others, but like, everybody has something to deal with, which is something that's just important to remember. As far as, it's like the self-pity aspect, we've been talking about this a lot, actually, me and her, and it's kind of this idea that we put ourselves in these scenarios, you know, we're choosing to go to the gym every day, we're choosing to work on this boulder that is maybe hard for my back. Uh, I'm choosing to go into competitions where there might be a boulder that totally screws me over, you know, and it's, it's a choice that I'm actively making and putting myself in that scenario. So uh, I can't really like self pity too much, because like, I'm, I'm doing it to myself, I guess. If rock climbing didn't exist, uh, what would you be doing with your life? Uh, a couple things. I think I would have found another sport. Potentially, I've just always been a really athletic kid. Um, and I've always thought I'd be good at sprinting. Uh, but then I think I'd also be in vet school. Favorite animal to treat, hypothetically? Oh, man. Well, I have two kittens who are both staring at me right now. But I, I really cannot choose. I love dogs. I love cats. I love um, monkeys. Is it true you're only five foot four? I am only 5'4". I do have a wingspan, though. I think my, my back surgery actually limited my growth. <laughs> so I think I'm supposed to be taller. Uh, so my wingspan is almost 5'9". If you could have one superpower other than your absurd strength, which you already have, uh, what would it be? 
I mean, everybody wants to be able to fly, I feel like. Uh, but that would make climbing way too easy. So, I don't know. But I, I do love Spider-Man as far as superheroes go. Right? Spider-Man. So good. You would have that power. You just don't tell anybody. And you just win every World Cup. Would you be it's... cheating? Would you feel like you're cheating? I feel like I'd think I was cheating, yeah. Yeah. If you could have one ingredient on pizza for the rest of your life, that's it. What would it be? Uh, you know, I'm already just a margarita pizza type of person. So, you know, cheese, I guess. <laughs> How many how many days a week or days a month are you eating uh, margarita pizza? Oh, rarely, actually. I usually cook, so I don't usually make pizza myself. Okay. Your most stubborn addiction, be honest. What is it? I think either coffee or chocolate, but I would be more willing to give up coffee than chocolate. So. Okay. Are women a superior species to men? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I think I think we are. Um from my personal experience. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I am uh, married and I have two daughters and I can, I can confirm that. They are an incredible <laughs> species, well advanced to men. Uh, how many pull-ups can you do right now in a row? No kipping, strict pull-ups. Oof. Um, I think I have not tried this in a while, but for sure 20 and definitely not 30. Max 25. If the world was ending tonight at 8 p.m., what would you do today? That's a hard question. I feel like I would probably do what I always do, you know, um, make coffee, climb, pet my cats, maybe play some Zelda. If you ever doubt your potential again, hit rewind on this episode because Kyra reminded us today that the obstacles we face, we face together. I mean, we all have something or many things that seem to stand in front of whatever we hope to achieve and say, nope, it's not going to happen. But these voices are lying. They have no real power over us because it's these same voices that insist a 12-year-old with severe idiopathic scoliosis could never be an Olympian. So go to the gym, people, and get stronger. Follow Kyra on Instagram at Kyra underscore Condi and follow and share this podcast as I prepare for the next episode of Beta 5.